John 1, 43 through 51 says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's time to ruck up, hanger men. Welcome to the Hangar Podcast. I'm Coach Mo. You may have noticed that we are doing things a little bit different this time. Yep, we did it. We started out with the Bible. Um, right? It's a reason why we did that, right, Ben? Is that allowed, Mo, to start out with the Bible? I know. I know. It's dangerous territory. Whether it's allowed or not, we just did it. That's right. I have to say, you sounded very masculine reading that. When I, oh, just when I read the intro? Yeah, it was yeah. like uber masculine. Yeah, so now they know we just did that. <laughs> hey, we also need to say that we're welcoming uh, Chase back into the Hangar Podcast studio. He did pass the test and and has a mic again. Yeah, I just I walked I walked into the other room and grabbed one. Yeah, that's right. Here that's, we go. How, that's how it goes. <laughs> so I'm actually I'm pretty. Um, this is a phrase I don't use often, but I'm pretty fired up about where we're headed today because we're gonna do things differently, not just with our intro, but we're gonna take a section of the Bible and we're gonna really discuss it, which is something, honestly, I think is missing from masculine conversation out there, A, having the Bible, but B, listening to men discuss their observations and reactions to Scripture, right? Yeah, and if you did skip the intro, my suggestion would be to go back and listen to it, because that's the portion of Scripture we're talking about, right? Yeah, I think that would probably be wise. And just to have that smooth Mo voice reading the Bible. The smooth, smooth jazz. The smooth jazz of Mo reading the Bible. Yeah, I could... I can see why you say that. <laughs> humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. So where do we start with this? So we really we really don't have a template, so where are we going to go today, Mo? Well, I mean, uh, we started with the Bible, and uh, since we did that, I think that there was—I mean, it was intentional, right? I mean, we, we you had mentioned that the Bible, talking about the Bible, using Scripture, things like that, is just something that has um, been forgotten in masculine conversation. It's like it's, it's more masculine to sit around— um, and talk about anything else but the Bible. I mean, it's it's taboo. You can't even join a Facebook group without agreeing to not talk about religion or the Bible and stuff like that. So we've thrown it out of, of your ordinary, everyday masculine conversation. Um, but one of the things that we're doing is reclaiming manhood. So, you know, we believe that Jesus is the perfect picture of manliness and whom we should get our our understanding of manliness from. So there is no better place to start a masculine conversation, if you ask me. I mean, this is just me now, um, than from the Bible. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think you're absolutely right that 
we've taken it out of conversation. We're scared that it's going to be offensive and we're kind of all just tiptoeing around it. The trouble with that is we do believe the best place to find out about Jesus is through the Bible. And uh, unfortunately, the Bible has been taken out. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. And I don't know if we want to dive into this right out of the gate here, but I think approaching Scripture um, makes men feel the number one thing that they don't want to feel, and that's stupid. You know, they, we don't know how to interpret it. We don't know how to observe it. We read it, and we think, I don't, I don't exactly know what that means. I mean, do you remember a time in your story where you, you had that reaction to the Bible when people were sharing the Bible with you? Yeah. I called it Bible college. But uh, <laughs> um, and that's why I left. No, the the truth is, is I think that it, it, it I can remember as a as a young person, right? As I was as a teenager, when I came to faith in Christ, and somebody handed me a Bible, and I'm and I'm picking up the Bible, and I'm trying to read it, but it just didn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I even had a, a a friend of mine, or a friend of the family's, give me a Bible that was supposed to be easier to understand, but whatever the denomination was that, you know, that wasn't necessarily, um, it wasn't necessarily easier. That was just the one that they would accept as the easiest to read. And, um, you know, so I wondered, you look online, you, you look in the bookstore or whatever, wherever you get a Bible and, and, uh, and they're just a bunch of different versions with a bunch of different initials. And each one is supposed to say the same thing, but it reads different. You know, it's confusing. Uh, and then when you pick it up and read it, you're like, what the heck is this talking about? Just a bunch of words. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's, uh, what's your experience been with that, Chase? Um, heck, I still struggle with it sometimes. And I think Man, if you're that's not honest, yeah, if you're not struggling with it, then I don't think you're studying it hard enough. Cause I think that's a lot of times that's just brushing it off. It's like, Oh yeah. It's like the Bible is straightforward, but it's also really deep. So don't feel insecure about the fact that like, it still confuses you just the, to this day. Yeah, the depth of it, actually, it's it's. Uh, I love what you're saying there. It's just a necessity that you're going to get lost a little bit because it, it is deep. I mean, let's acknowledge the fact that Scripture has been guiding men's lives for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if something is going to stand the test of time, well, it's not going to just be immediately understood on the surface. And I think it also mimics the heart of God and that God is really complex. Now, I believe these dumbed things down a lot. He simplified a lot of his speak for us in this, what we were, Mo and I were discussing even earlier today is this sacred text. Um, but as we go to it, I think we should just start to explain to men to say, yes, it's going to be confusing. Uh, and there does need to be an element of someone who's been there, who has looked at it before, who has interpreted it before, who can give you a little bit of an uh, orientation. And that's why we believe these conversations need to come back. And we have been very, very intentional to wrap up the series about rucking up, where we've been giving a lot of opinions. I think they're founded opinions. I think they're helping men who are listening to it. But if we're just standing on the opinions as, as just three men sitting in a studio, to me, I'm saying very publicly, that's not enough. If we're going to learn how to ruck up, well, we've got to go to the Bible and we've got to look at Jesus. And that's why we're starting in, in John chapter one today, really tearing it up, really discussing it, talking about what our observations are, how it offends us, how we're confused by it and what we need to do with it. Once we, uh, as Mo says, once we hear the music and we move about our lives after this podcast, we got to start talking about the Bible in this way or as men we're sunk. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, you'd mentioned the sacred text and, and this wasn't, Really, I don't think this is where we were heading today, um, but we just had this conversation off mic, like you said, and uh, and everything has a sacred text, 
you know, every area of our lives, every career, everything, you, you, you won't call it a sacred text. You call it a handbook or a manual or whatever it is, you know, to help you sales. You know, if you're not listening or reading Zig Ziglar, then you don't know how to do sales. You know what I mean? Like the art of closing is it's like people go back to that and this is their, and they say it like this, this is your Bible for this. And it's because the, the Bible is a sacred text. No matter how you look at it, it's a sacred text and it's scary because it holds so much weight and you don't understand what it's saying. So like you said, it makes you feel like an idiot. Well, it's because of how important it is to you. Um, I, I think so. I'll say, I'll, I'll speak for myself. It's not fair. So it's, it's so important to me. People have put so much weight on the sacred text. When I open it and read it and don't understand it, it's not just feeling like an idiot. You know, it's like, this is supposed to be the thing that I get the most from, and I can't get anything from it. So I just, I'd rather just push it to the side and let somebody else tell me what it says. Meanwhile, we can actually have the ability to sit down together because you're going to get something different. And we'll find that out today, just like you said. You're going to get something different from this text that I did. And when, when I say something that you didn't get and you say something that I didn't get and, and Chase tells us both what we really need to know, then it's the process of learning with each other. Yeah, so you don't sit down with this book by yourself and try to figure it out completely. You go and take those things you don't understand to somebody else, and maybe they see it, but then they didn't see what you saw. So the, 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 the masculine conversation has to go, go back to Scripture, and if we're going to ruck up, I mean, it has to come from the most sacred of texts. You know, it has to come from our manual, from our handbook. I mean, that's just, I don't think there's any better starting place. I totally agree. I, you know, there's, there are two parts of it for me that just make so much sense, that you are supposed to be in conversation with God as you're reading the Bible because his desire is to communicate with his kids. Um, I, I just think we've, we've lost that for sure. But I don't know that the Bible, in my opinion, was ever designed to be read in isolation. It's a communal book. It was written for communities, New Testament and Old Testament. They're constantly reciting the Old Testament, the, the first half of the Bible that we call the Old Testament. They're reciting it to one another to remember. The majority of the New Testament, the second half, those are letters that were written to communities uh, about how to live life. So when we take it out of this communal aspect, when we don't discuss these things as men, no wonder, it, yes, it is sacred and it can be confusing because of its depth, but when you approach it in the wrong way, you're destined to fail in this information transmission to application sort of, sort of way. So... Again, that's why we're doing this today, because we want to bring this out into the public space and to have men listen to this and understand this is exactly how a conversation over a few short verses in the Bible is supposed to go, and that it's not clean, and it doesn't make sense just in one way, that there's a lot of things that God can communicate through one very simple story. I think a big part of this, before we dive in here in just a second, is that there are many hanger men out there that have just been dunked in religion their entire life. And I'm pretty passionate about this. I feel that this coding of religion makes it almost impossible to feel just how real the Scripture is because we approach it as we're supposed to hear it or we think about the things that we're supposed to be thinking about. We come from this default position of, 
and let's just call it for what it is. I'm not good enough, and the Bible is going to judge me and make me be a different man in a way that I really don't want to do. When you come at it with that perspective, man, you just you're wasting your time. Let's be honest. When you come to Scripture, though, and you peel back those layers of religion and you realize these are real people, these were real men having masculine interactions, and what we're going to look at today is Jesus initiating a worldwide movement. In the church, we've called it, this is Jesus' calling of the Twelve. You know, I mean, how you know, just sanitize the whole thing, make it about religion. And if you pull it out of that and say, Jesus was a man, he runs into these other two men, and then this is what happens. That's the story here. And that's how, as men, I think we have to start digging into the Bible to make it make sense for us to reclaim this sacred text and to start living sacred lives. I I don't want an average life. I want people to know after I'm gone, after I'm dead, I want people to feel that I'm missing. And for that to be the case, then I've got to start living a sacred life. And this, the Bible is the instruction manual to do that. We've got to start diving into it. All right, well, let's do just that, right? Let's just do that. Let's go ahead and dive into the Bible, uh, into, the, into the scripture that, that was read into the intro, right? John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. Um, I think it was it was funny. You said we, we've talked about it. We've actually used the word reclaim like a few times throughout our conversation so far, and uh, and 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 I had mentioned that we were reclaiming masculinity uh, as as hanger men. That's what we're trying to do, and using Jesus as our guide. Um, and and you had talked about reclaiming the importance of Scripture. You know, we're talking about reclaiming, and and I think that it's it's really cool that that word came up because Jesus came to reclaim humanity, right? So Jesus comes, the whole purpose of Jesus coming and, and taking on flesh, and, 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 and we're getting churchy here, right? But, you know, Jesus coming and, and becoming a man, stepping out of his rightful place in heaven to be here was to reclaim ma- uh, manhood, was to reclaim humanity. And uh, because we had been separated from God you know, he said that he didn't come to judge the world, he came to save the world, because we were already condemned. We're already separated from God because of who we are, our, our human condition. And and when he does that, he starts with with these these men. He starts with these men, I mean, hand-picked, ordinary men, and he says the two most important words that any man can ever hear from the most important person to ever exist. Follow me. Big words. Those are big words. Look, I I just have to say this is something that's just right at the top of my heart right now, and I'm experiencing gigantic amount a gigantic amount of frustration about this. The way that men are portrayed in our society and in our culture, and I mean, you could pick on all these different things: Family Guy, The Simpsons, Raymond. I mean, just the way that men are portrayed. uh, We barely know how to wipe ourselves. We're just buffoons. We can't spit out anything worth saying. The only things that we do that are great is because a woman told us how to do them and which way to do them. That that's the the temperature of society right now. And I I see in this story one of my first observations is that the actions of Jesus fly straight into the face of that. I mean, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I created this man, men. I created them. And in order to start this worldwide movement, I'm going to call not women to me. And we can make arguments about how women were viewed in that society and all that. I can just hear the arguments going off right now. But I want to point out what this text shows me, what the Bible shows me in John 1, is that Jesus approached men Mm -hmm. to start this movement. 
and he approached men first to reclaim what was lost in men. If you go back to the original story, how we lost our status originally, it's because we were absent. We weren't there. We weren't making the calls and doing the things that God had designed us to do. And I believe Jesus is being extremely intentional here in calling these two men, saying, if I'm going to start a movement to reclaim what it means to be my kids on planet Earth, I'm going to start with men. So what I see in this is that Jesus sees something in men that men don't even see in themselves. Oh, I love that about him. Because there's so many days where I don't see anything in myself of value. I feel like what the culture says that I am. But when I go to Jesus, when I go to the Bible and see the way that Jesus treats men, and I'm looking at it not from a religious perspective, I see, man, Jesus values men. He's willing to put responsibility into the hands of men. Not only in the beginning, but as we find out later, when he's gone to lead the charge. He's entrusting it to men. Now, Jesus valued women. Okay, we do need to get that out there for the women who are secretly listening to the Hanger podcast. Jesus valued women. But I want to, I want to point out here what Jesus was willing to see in men, entrusting them with their responsibility and saying to these men, follow me. As a man, follow me. Make sense? Oh, yeah. Um, and you're right. I think it was, a, it was a, good, a good thing to say that we're not just trying to be, you know, there's uh, – uh, just against women or saying that women are this or women are that. This isn't, we're not talking about women at all here. In fact, what we're talking about is men. And that's the point. I think that's the point you're making is that um, before, before somebody, I don't even know if they can email us. Can they email us? I mean, before someone sends us an email, you know, saying, Hey, well, women, this women, that, and heroes and the women were the first thing we're not, but we're not talking about women. That's not what we're talking about. So yeah, we can sit here for hours and talk about women and how valuable they are and how much God loves them and how they've, how valuable they are to us too, you know? Um, but we're talking about men and we're talking about how, how we have, I mean, just the fact that I had to say that. No kidding. I was right? thinking that same thing. Like, we're sitting here feeling like we've got to apologize for this. Uh, look, I'm not a chauvinist. Let me repeat that. Maybe we should put it on loop. Ben Derrick is not a chauvinist, but I am a realist. And I think a large part of our societal issues are the fact that men are not rucking up. That's why we're doing this whole series. And what I'm trying to do is light a fire under men because Jesus lit a fire under men. He did it in this particular grouping of verses. He looks at a man and he says, follow me. I love that masculine challenge. He wasn't talking about a lot of details. He didn't talk about his feelings. He gets face to face with a man. And I love the fact that Jesus, it says in this group here, that Jesus determined to go to this particular place to run into this man. Jesus had a plan, and that plan was to seek out a man and to tell that man, follow me, that Jesus was the design in both respects. He's the design that you could trace and follow to try to mimic. He's also the, he's the guide in tracing and following and mimicking. He's also the guide that you follow physically. And Jesus comes up to this man face to face, and I can just picture it now. Jesus doesn't mix words. He locks eyes, and he is in this moment of masculine challenge, and he tells these guys, follow me. I love that about Jesus. And I think men have lost that. You can tell over the past few minutes how we've struggled on a men's podcast apologizing to women that we're talking about men. It's just such a deep-rooted illness that we have today. Yeah. And well, you know what? This uh, this challenge, man, it's just Jesus comes up and says, follow me. Do you know what that means? That doesn't just mean, hey, Hey guys, let's meet up at the restaurant. We're going to go to the bar. You don't know how to get there. I know how to get there. Follow me. It's not that. 
even though it is that, what it what it is at its root is no, I want you to leave everything behind. You know how many times I have heard and said, I've heard, I can't, I have to do this. I have a job. What if I do this? If I, if I o- obey, I'm going to say the word obey. If I obey that feeling that I have. You said that like it's profanity. <laughs> right? I'm going to say obey. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say obey. Yeah. Out of all the stuff that we've said here. Right. We'll bleep it. We're yeah. Good. Yeah. Be sure to cut that out, Chase. <laughs> um, man, it, one of the if I don't one of the reasons why it's so difficult for me to go ahead and follow through with the thing that I know in my heart I'm supposed to be doing is because of what it will cost me. The job, the the patterns of my life that are already set into place, the 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 things that I have built thus far. I mean, these are adults, these aren't kids. These are grown men. You know, these are grown men that Jesus is saying from this point forward. I want you to walk with me, follow me, and leave everything else behind. So it's a point of decision. So Jesus makes a decision to, to track down these men, these two men, intentionally. But he puts these men in a situation where they have to make a decision. Yeah. And that can be paralytic for a lot of men, especially if they don't understand what follows next. So other places in the Bible, Jesus says things like, yeah, I mean, you got to count the cost before you. Look, you need to be able to understand and take in exactly what I'm asking you to do. And I think as men, sometimes we're just going from one thing to the next, following orders from whatever our responsibilities are given us. We've talked about that. So this, this idea feels a little bit foreign to us. And this is a great example of how we can read the Bible and miss something because it's not how our life is arranged. But I believe, and I'd love to get some feedback from you here, uh, Chase, on this. I believe that in every man's life, every man's life, that Jesus comes to them at one point and says, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to do this or are you not? Jesus says, follow me. Um, how do, what do you think about that, Chase? you think that's just me talking? Yeah, no, no, no. I, if, if, that, if that's not 100% accurate, then I don't know what it is. But I think the, the direction or the route that people come at it at, or men come at it, or the angle they come at it from varies a lot. Like mine isn't so much the uh you know what i'm giving up and all that although i think that's probably the majority of everybody mine's much more the route of like the skeptic like i i identify with nathaniel 100 percent because the first you know the first thing he does is be skeptical about what what this dude's talking about and then jesus comes at him and says no no i saw you and then you know it blows the doors open for nathaniel but i get why Nathaniel approached it the way he did because he like you need like reasoning and purpose behind some of the decisions you make and not everybody understands that Jesus is capable of being just Jesus himself is capable of being that reasoning or that purpose and I think that's what something that a lot of men miss yeah big point of identification here that's awesome that you your emotions are even represented in this story as you read it you're like man I identify with the skeptic or the cynic who's like, no way, 
There's right. no way. Yeah. And let's also say in this passage here, there's this foundation. One guy's talking to the other, and he said, we found the guy. We found the guy that the Bible talks about. <laughs> that's what that's what Philip says to Nathan. We found the guy the Bible talks about. Nathan says back to Philip, there's no way. There, if, if, and if that's not Philip Thurman to every one of us in this organization, <laughs> I don't know what is it. Right. Yeah. There's, there's just no way that that's possible. And especially if you think about his hometown, like things just aren't making sense for me. And I, I'd love to just stop here for just a second and maybe say some, some vulnerable things from my story. Say, I want, to, I want to believe it. I want the Bible to make sense sometimes, but I do have that reaction. There, there's just no way. I don't, I don't have the basis to believe that much about what's going on. I know somebody's sharing it with me, but I just don't have the heart to believe it all the way. And then I get a couple more details, and those are just, I'm always looking for the exit. Like, oh, well, maybe I might have believed you at first, but when you said he's from Nazareth, there's just no, the small town that nobody talks about that nothing good comes from, there's no way God's from there, just so I'm out, you know. But then the response is, okay, well, you you don't agree with what I'm telling you, one man says to the other. You don't agree with the words that I'm saying. You need to have the experience of meeting this man. And then, man, like you said, Chase, everything just blows wide open because Nathan goes up to Jesus. Jesus first gives him a compliment. Why don't we talk about that for a second? Right. Jesus meets this man with a compliment. How many times have you been in church saying, uh, hearing the words said to you, and I bet Jesus is proud of the way you live this week. It's just not something we do. We're just ready for Jesus to condemn us. Again, the Bible correcting an incorrect religious perspective. That Jesus meets this man and says, man, this is a good dude. Why did he say that? Because he knew that this guy was going to be on his team. Jesus wasn't recruiting slouches. He was like, these guys are ready to go. I want them to be with me. It's not how we talk about the 12. We talk about them like they're idiots because they failed. Again, culture, right? Man, is it okay I'm just like rolling these off just on a little soapbox here? But Jesus meets this guy and says, listen, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you the blessing, and I'm going to give you the validation you need for this journey. That's pretty cool to me. Yeah. You know what? I want to – I just want to bring something up that Nathan, Nathaniel, sorry, dude is a skeptic. But even he had the strength or the – I don't know what you want to call it, curiosity maybe even. But he was a skeptic. He doubted it, but he still got up. And went to check it out for himself, which is a point to where most men don't don't go. We get to that skeptic doubt part, and then we stop, and we move to the next thing. Instead of saying, you know what, i got to see this for myself. I hear what you're saying. I'm not 100% sure I believe you, but I'm still going to go check it out. And then when he does, Jesus just blows him out of the water. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's like, that's rucking up. In a moment of doubt, in a moment of, of skepticism, in a moment of, of uncertainty, somebody brings you something that could potentially change your life. And having the courage through, in spite of your skepticism, in spite of your doubt, to check it out for yourself. Because what if Nathaniel stayed under the fig tree? Yes, God would have seen him and he would have never seen God. That's right. I mean, Jesus' purposes on earth would have been accomplished without him. Let's call that out. Jesus was giving him a gift. It's my position today that Jesus is giving men a gift, men everywhere a gift, by saying, follow me, follow me. It's not that Jesus can't accomplish what he's trying to accomplish on planet earth without us, without that one player, but he loves us enough 
to include us in the going. It's not just following him for the direction or the destination. It's also the how. That's what you were pointing out earlier. We believe that if men are going to be men, they've got to follow Jesus. Without following Jesus, it's just a shadow life. We're going to adopt all these other agendas that other people have that they've moved in to try to replace the Jesus-driven life with, and those are all, every single one of them, all going to fail. I can't be strong enough about this. They're all going to fail. But the following Jesus life, because you are following the prototype of the perfect man, the perfect man, that's how it's going to work out for us. That's what rucking up means to me, and I, I love what you're pointing out. It's not just rucking up down the road. Maybe the first step we need to be calling men to is the first step Jesus called them to is to ruck up towards Jesus because so many of us are sitting outside of faith communities. We're sitting outside of churches. We're sitting outside of healthy, stable, masculine relationships because we're scared or we're skeptical. And Jesus says, no, do not let that stop you. And we are actually in this room today, in this studio, serving the purposes of Philip, saying, okay, maybe you don't agree with all of our arguments about patterns and hell and back and all of those things, but you have got to go see for yourself. Because I believe, and I think all of us believe, once you run up against Jesus, Jesus will take care of the rest. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that that I just really wanted to, to say before... Uh, we finish our time, is that the story didn't end with Jesus impressing Nathaniel. Tell me what you mean. You know, Jesus came, uh, Nathaniel came, and he called him out. He gave him the compliment, like you said, and he's like, how do you know me? And he goes, I saw you before you even came. I saw you. I knew you were good. I knew who you were before you even knew who I was. And he's like, well, whoa, this guy, you, you are God. You know, you are, you are the son of God. You are the one who's going to come. You are the, the perfect man. And he says, you believe me because I said that? Bro, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that's what I want to say. I want to say, maybe you're a skeptic. He sees you. You can't hide from him. He sees you where you are right now. And if you want to see some crazy stuff, I dare you. I dare you to follow him. Dude, I, I can barely contain the emotion when I hear you describe it that way. And I know that it, it meets a deep need for me. I think about my sons. They're always saying this to me. Look, look at me, Dad, watch this, watch this. And I think as a grown man, I'm still longing to be seen. Jesus says, I saw you. And I think if that's something that we could pass on to men for them to understand when they feel outside of an epic life, when they feel not worthy, that Jesus says, I saw you. A long time before you saw me, I saw you. I love that you're pointing that out and that on the backside of being acknowledged by the Son of God, by Jesus on the back side of that is a life that we cannot possibly imagine. But we checked out until you ruck up, unless you ruck up, you're going to miss it. It's beautiful.